Greetings, flesh creatures. It is I, Megatron. On behalf of TFYLP, I want to congratulate you for listening to the most refined collective podcast on this miserable little planet Earth. Yes. Here you'll find knowledgeable fans discussing every aspect of Transformers and beyond. Now, enjoy the show while I continue my path to complete conquest of all of you miserable biological entities. Predacons, terrorize! Welcome to TFLP episode 494. We're live tonight, August 22nd. I'm Lucas. I'm joined tonight by Phil. Hello. And Catherine. Hello. And Nick. Hi. Hey, Nick. It's It's been a minute. Wow. <laughs> so how's, uh, you know, I guess convention season been treating you? Uh, I have been, I've been busy. I've been all over. I was, you know. San Diego, and then like a bunch of local shows. So I have been keeping busy. <laughs> and of course, things are really ramping up at the shop now. Oh, so, yeah. Well, yeah. hey, that's, that, that's a good thing though, right? Yeah, no, busy is good. <laughs> <laughs> so we like that. Congratulations on your anniversary. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. How was uh, how San Diego? Uh, San Diego w- was great, but I spent the entire week... Uh, shackled to the image booth i was working for image uh doing a favor for a buddy over there um yeah no it was it was they they needed us to be ringers and ringers we were i brought my entire crew and and we ran the booth so it was good were they uh talking a little shop about potential uh you know upcoming (laughs) upcoming partnerships with other major uh, you know, uh, companies and and uh, and whatnot. Why have you heard something? I I haven't heard anything. I just know that uh, you know Hasbro is not going to be partner with IDW here pretty shortly. So, um, I am sure that whoever the new licensor is, they're not ready to announce that just yet, and we'll probably hear something in the new year. I thought, we, uh, I thought it was the Walking oh, Dead guy got it. Everything's been rumors so far. We Nothing has been official. Oh. Yeah, and it's been months since any news came out. So, like, the one kind of piece of news we got last week was that IDW is doing their solicits for their November comics, and their final issue of G.I. Joe was solicited, and their second to last issue of Transformers was solicited, so uh, we are we are counting down till the end of the IDW verse. And uh, what Transformers are still running? Because the main storyline has already ended. Um, I believe the last Transformer, um, and Shattered last Glass. Last spot standing, is that right? Last spot standing, yeah, right. And Shattered Glass. Oh, shattered yeah, glass. Shattered glass. Do we have a whole? Yeah. I, I don't even remember what those toys is, is. Like that second series, is that still to be released, or is it? Uh, are we like 
halfway through it. I, I honestly kind of forget. There, there's still a couple of figures left in, in Wave 2, yeah, that they haven't put up for order yet, I think. Well, yeah, but none have shipped. So Blaster, I think, was the first to go for order, and he has not shipped. Right. Um, the cover for the most the, the second to last issue of Shattered Glass Two has Shattered Glass Soundwave on it. Yeah, and it was uh, it was the the Netflix, Netflix Soundwave mold. On Livio, it's not the Ironhide or Ratchet mold. <laughs> Livio revealed his last cover, and it's Windblade or um, Fire um, Firewall. No, not Firewall. Um, Flame Flame War. That's it. Yep. And we say it's Livio's last cover for IDW, so yes. you yeah. know it's it's still entirely possible whoever this new license holder is, they may say, oh, you know, we really like his no, art style, and we would love some to other have property him. problem now. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't say that. Let him, go ha- let him go have his way with Masters of the Universe or something. I, I guess I'm going to be the lone Livio. Uh, <laughs> fan on the show here. I do like his work when it's on covers, um, and when it's not like super dark. I like his when it's a little brighter. Um, <laughs> well, right, like I think all I, I don't know. I like his work too. It is not super dark. Like sure, it seems like he'd really enjoy doing Batman. Yeah, I bet that's probably true. <laughs> no, his his human figures are not always the best. Uh, he's doing We're a creator on book right now. And it is more humanoid-looking robots for his creator-owned book. Um, I, I'm with Nick. I think his uh, his covers, his splash pages, his pinups all tend to be pretty fun. Um, storytelling is something that's not a strong suit, and so uh, that and expressions, which which goes hand in hand with storytelling. So um, I don't know. I've got three pieces of his art. Um, you know, almost bought an, uh, an original page from the Combiner Wars arc where it was like, I think it was like Defense War was like punching through another Decepticon Combiner in the chest. So, you know, just a, a little bit more money than I had at that time to spend on something. But, uh, yeah, pardon me. I um, I know he's not, he's, he's, he's a pretty divisive artist, but I'm in the camp that I, I tend to enjoy him more than not. So with... IDW almost, you know, being at the end here. Who's your guy's favorite artist? Like for for IDW, I said I should say specifically. Build. Uh, Nick Roche is probably my favorite, although Casey Collier is up there. I love Casey I stuff. I I have a really hard time picking, you know, it's like picking between one of your children, right? I mean, (laughs) all these artists, they, they, they just have had an amazing run, you know, with them between, you know, Griffith and, and, uh, you know, Milne and, and Casey and, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Nick Roche. I mean, yeah. Like all those guys. Yeah. They're all just have done. Fantastic. I enjoyed Roche's style back when he was doing Last Stand of the Records a little bit more than his current style. Um, his current style isn't bad; it just isn't. I'm not as fond of it. Um, one that I really, really like that that you guys didn't mention. She didn't have a ton of time on the books, but Kaizama uh, really, really oh, loved her yeah. work. I've got a fun. Devastator piece of hers that that I <laughs> absolutely love. Oh, and then Sarah, I'm butchering the last name. Is it Stone or. Petri Deroche. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll let you yeah. pronounce it. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So yeah, unfortunately, Olivia is probably not in my like top ten just because I have a lot of artists I love, but you know, hey. Um, honestly, I feel like there was maybe only one or two bad artists on that book, and you know, for the what fifteen years those books ran, that's sort of a blessing. I don't want to name names. As much as people complain about Olivia's art, right, (laughs) is some of the more some of the more recent ones, like I haven't been as big of a fan of, uh, mm. so not the covers, but like the, you know, the interior art. So, um, I do have a question though, Nick, and like, I don't know if you know, I just don't know as much about the comic world. Um, so when they transition over, so say if it, you know, the new, uh, property holder take over at, on January 1st, mm-hmm. like, can they hit the ground running and say, here we go. We've got, you know that or like do you have to have the solicitations and all that to where there's going to be like a two month three month lag between announcement and the the standard practice in this industry is that stuff gets announced in previews or what have you uh two to three months before it ships and so you know in theory we'll have lots of heads up about what's coming and when they should be able to start soliciting around october or so right uh, well, it depends on, on when they're allowed to say what, um, if they're, if they're aiming for like a January one ship date, then yeah, we should hear stuff in October, but I guess that would line up with New York comic-con. Maybe there'll be some announcement at New York comic-con if that were going to be the case, but the way that everybody's been playing, been playing everything so close to the vest, um, I wonder if they won't push the books off a little later. And we won't see solicitations until January for like a March ship date or something like that. We'll which see. Will, which will seem kind of weird after, I mean, we've, you know, been blessed with multiple Transformers books every mm-hmm. month for, you know, like we said, 15 years or whatever it is. And even before that, it's like, it's so it's, it's strange to that we may have a gap here. But I guess this plays into our overall topic tonight, which is mm-hmm. the recent news, uh, I guess, that uh, came from Bloomberg today, uh, Nick, that you sent to, uh, to the group about Hasbro potentially changing or considering changing their media uh, property strategy. So we don't know exactly how, you know what exactly they're going to do but um i guess uh what was it a couple years ago they bought out uh, e1 entertainment one yeah yeah and that that got uh, them peppa pig and (laughs) And pj masks so they wanted those ip because there's a huge like young kid ip well Um, they were also really after death row records (laughs) they got that and immediately sold it but they got a nice chunk of change back for it um, <laughs> which was the funny footnote I was going to put in there. Um, I think the funniest part is that it, Death Row Records, prior to Hasbro owning it, was owned by a Canadian media company. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing about all these mergers and, you know, acquisitions and what have you is that you wind up with weird assets. Mm-hmm. You know, um, look at what's going on with Warner Discovery right now, how AT&T acquired warner thinking they were getting this big thing and it was going to be great for them and then they were like oh but we don't actually know how to manage any of these assets so let's just spin them back off and so they sold all that off to discovery and we're going to see some similar stuff here depending on what 
Hasbro decides to do with this Entertainment One, all of those assets under that umbrella. Like, I'm sure that they're going to keep the PJ Masks and the uh, Peppa Pig stuff. Like, they want that. Right. But in terms of, like, whatever sort of filmmaking, in-house, you know, development stuff and, like, television and whatnot, they may start to spin off some of those assets to get some of that investment back. And I think that's what we're going to start to see here. Well, I think a... it's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Captain? Oh, well, they, they have they have the their company split up into four divisions with and film is going to be the easy one for them to let go of. I think that's where they've been just getting trounced on by COVID. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they have that partnership with Paramount already for film, so it's kind of an easy thing to just kind of stay the course on that uh, somewhat. But I was going to say, I, I think it's an interesting landscape right now with the streaming that, you know, we kind of had this like golden age of streaming over the years with, you know, some of the Netflix and, and then all these media companies that figured out, oh, wait, like all this stuff is worth a lot of money. Maybe I should just create my own channel. And yeah. then now they're all trying, they were all trying to build up their own libraries and content and now that they've done that they're kind of like oh wait maybe that wasn't a great idea like i'm just trying to figure out some of this stuff with specifically with like warner brothers and discovery and, and all that mm -hmm. like what the play is because discovery seems to be cutting every nickel and dime that they can in order to like cut you know tighten the purse strings on this how expensive this merger must have been this acquisition was they're they're trying to cut every corner everywhere, and it's it's like well we're shelving we're shelving Batgirl indefinitely because it's a tax write off, and we're dumping all of this stuff from the streaming service because it means we don't have to pay the royalties to the the creators and whatnot Ouch. that were promised them, and it's like people are like well that's stupid they've already paid for the stuff and why wouldn't they just stream it and make more money? And it's like well because the new bosses have a different metric than the old boss, and however they do their math, they've decided that yeah, we're spending too much. And so they got to cut those corners now. I mean, that's the thing that just seems weird to me. You've already produced this content. You have this content. And to not just put it over the last mile, like how much are the royalties really that is a, a significant? Because, I mean, here's the thing. In well, Discovery was used to doing like mostly live action and reality TV stuff, right? Which there's very little residuals on, I imagine. Yeah. Whereas all of this stuff is ip it's all like you know licensed characters and it's all like you know story driven stuff so that they're more creators involved to pay you know if you're filming a documentary i imagine the residuals are substantially less than you know the new potato man cartoon i don't know i'm not i'm not enough in it that i can give you numbers or percentages but that seems to be discovery's way of looking at the warner stuff is like yeah this is too expensive for what it is we're not making enough of it and maybe maybe part of that is they're they're going to turn around and license it to another streaming service so that they're getting paid no matter what yeah and and that that could potentially be it as well but like the thing i don't understand and you know i don't know if i'm the average consumer of some of these streaming services but, like, I'll pick, you know, who to pay based on the library and, like, what I could potentially watch. And so, for me, it's kind of like a gym membership to right. where 
I don't actually watch that much Netflix or you know HBO like whatever, right? But I like yeah. to know that it's there. It's the one that's there. <laughs> and so yeah, and so that's the thing is is like like HBO Max, for example, like during COVID and all that, like I was a you know faithful member because every month they're putting a new movie on the streaming service, right? And so I'd be like, well, I'm not going to cancel this month because next month they're going to release, you know, Wonder Woman or whatever. And like, and maybe that's not a great model, obviously for them to have those big tentpole movies like that. But it seems like some of those mid tier ones, you know, that like, if they actually continue to do that, I would think that they would have more subscribers, but you know, I don't know, maybe now that they have the new game of Thrones dragon thing or whatever. So they're like, ah, we don't care what I need the other crap. We can, we can just have subscribers from, from that. Yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I do think that it was, it was a misstep to shelve Batgirl and a misstep to remove all of this content, animated content, cartoon network content without telling the creators, all of that, I think is the wrong play and it's going to bite them. But I think that discovery is too focused on other kinds of programming to pay attention to the nerd shit. It's not their wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, I got I got a couple points uh, on this from both the the discovery thing as well as the big picture thing. On the discovery side, I, I think what they said was they don't want to continue doing these movies in the theaters and movies on uh, on streaming. That they want to focus mainly on movies in the theaters. Sure, and that they they look at what happened with the most recent Batman movie as a pretty great model in that you had it come out in theaters, got a lot of press, got a lot of splash. A lot of people liked it. And then six weeks later it came out on HBO max. And again, got another resurgence of like, Oh, this is, this is a good movie. Got a lot of buzz going with it again. So I think that's what they're kind of aiming for. And what they had done in in terms of, of Batgirl was Batgirl was not intended to be in the theaters. Batgirl was supposed to be just made for streaming. It was a result of of pandemic driven sort of behavior and habits. And so the idea was Batgirl would go, you know, just on streaming right in theaters and ultimately they said, listen, we don't think this is the kind of quality of movie that we want to put out because it's not good enough to be in theaters and, and we don't want to do this direct to streaming thing anymore. So, you know, and there's a lot of other business reasons that sounds like that went into it. But I think, you know, to the bigger point that you made a few moments ago, Lucas, the idea of these companies that are not media companies getting into the media business, um, you know, like. General Electric slash Comcast kind of made it look like that was easier to do than it really is. Um, you know, General Electric, when they had, when they owned NBC Universal, didn't make that look like it was too extraordinarily difficult. And then, you know, they, they sold that off to Comcast. And Comcast being an internet provider, again, also not a typical media creation unit, made it look kind of easy. And so Hasbro decided they want to get into the game. AT&T said they want to get in the game. And just because of what happened with COVID, as well as realizing the media landscape is really in the midst of a significant change right now. There's like, yeah, we don't, this is not, this is not the kind of ball game that we want to get into, or we, this is not the kind of ball game we want to stay in. Um, and that's why they're, they're, you know, heading for the exit. Well, and that's I- another reason why I've said that, you know, when the argument has come up that, that people have said, oh, I think Disney will buy Hasbro. Like, I don't think so. Because it's one of those things that, like, it's a very different business of making toys versus making 
content and resorts and all that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think this, this is not an exact proof of, of why that would be hard to do, but I think it is proof of just because you're good at one side of business and producing one kind of thing means you're going to be good at doing other types of businesses and other types of production. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hasbro's a good comparative though, for any of those other companies. Uh, General Electric has nothing, and AT and T really have nothing to do with media, whereas, you know, Has Hasbro's, you know, been making toys based off of media, as kind of their thing. They have a genuine interest in being in media, in, in media, and having forms of production. I think they've just been trying to take on too much of under their own umbrella. There it is. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Hasbro seems for the most part to, you know, be pretty lean with the with the corporation and and the way that they run things. And I don't necessarily know, too, that their promotion is as you know, at least their promotion strategy is as good as what it what it could be for a multi-billion dollar company, you know, is. And so. I, I don't know, kind of combined with all that, I, I can kind of understand. I think part of the reason for this change in strategy as well is because of, you know, the unfortunate death of the recent CEO um, as well from uh, from uh, cancer. Was that right? I think that's right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that that's a big part of the reason for the shift in strategy too, because I think he, you know, really wanted to push that. Um, and it, it sounds like the new CEO is, is not as interested in, um, you know, at least, you know, films and, and I mean, who knows like exactly well, what's going to happen. They haven't said not interested in, in them to. making films in house. I think yes. what they, what they would rather have is that other people pay them money to make films based on their properties <laughs> back to the old model instead of the, well, we're just going to do it because that's more complicated than they had anticipated. I suspect. Yeah, because the former, the the CEO of Hasbro who who passed away, his mindset on this was, wow, we're we're letting Paramount get a really big chunk of this money we're making off of these movies. Why are we giving away so much of this money? Why can't we just do it ourselves? And again, I think the idea is they bit off too much, more than they could chew kind of thing. I I wonder if... Had he survived, had he, had he been around longer, if he would have been able to shepherd it in that direction? And I, I think I think he could have, but I'm also talking out of my ass. So, you know. Well, I think also, you know, it, it hit at one of the worst times. It's like yeah. kind of like they, they bought high and then I feel like they're going to be kind of selling low. Yeah, exactly. You go through yeah. COVID and everything. Um and all the delays with that and so that's where you know as much as we've been looking for you know some of um you know some good transformers media it's uh you know it's 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 kind of tough and i don't know too if um like because that new studio were they actually producing anything as far as like hasbro related um or were they just kind of continuing to you know, kind of do their own properties. 
they already had a number of Hasbro properties and were working with Hasbro um, pre, um, prior to the acquisition. They made a My Little Pony movie back in 2017. So, like, the which was really good. Earth Spark <laughs> um, show is that is that one connected to this new studio or is it? I know it's Nickelodeon, but presumably. Yeah, because they're under their family brands, Transformers 2020 to present. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it gets a little bit tough for me to parse through all this with which company is doing more of this than the other one is, because obviously Paramount slash Nickelodeon is involved. So I have the the wiki page pulled up here on Entertainment One. Uh, So I guess anything after 2020 is stuff that they were doing. So... But like, I don't think that had anything to do with the Netflix Transformers. So like that, that got squeaked out before the deal got done. All right. The, um, the, new, the new Pony movie that was the, yeah. the co-production with Netflix and Boulder Media. Uh, ba, 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 a bunch of like live action stuff that nobody here is going to know. Uh, co-production on Dungeons and Dragons. And a co-production on the new Play-Doh. Oh, and co-production on Blue Beetle. With Warner Brothers. Yeah, so that, that's surprising wacky. too. And then, um, and then co-production on Rise of the Best. <laughs> yes. Um, no, that's a studio credit only. Oh, co-production studio credit only. Okay. So. And then what what, what was their tie-in with Snake Eyes? Because I saw Snake Eyes on the wiki. That one also um, said studio credit only. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting because it does feel like they just sort of got started to get this relationship going. With, right. with this company, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons sounds like it's the first one that they've really kind of taken a Hasbro property and mm-hmm. worked on it with this media company to turn it into something. And then you've got some sequent ones like Play-Doh, uh, you know, a Play-Doh movie coming out. So you know, it was really in the infancy, it sounds like, in terms yeah. of this relationship producing Hasbro content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is interesting to look at the wiki in terms of like, just how much other content this this company makes and again comes back to the to my point where it really seems like hasbro bit off a significant uh, amount i don't i don't remember this deal going through when it first went through well i take it back i kind of remember it going through uh, a little bit just in the idea of you know them them getting this production company but i didn't i don't think i realized how big this production company was mm-hmm. and, and just how much media they actually did create and produce and then how much of it was not anything tied to toys or animation or kid brand stuff. This is, this runs the gamut of, of kind of every, you know, type of movie and TV shows out there. Was it yellow jackets, you know, the highly acclaimed showtime show, I believe was a E1 production. Yellow jackets. You said, yeah. Yeah. I thought I saw that in one of the articles. It's according to this. They have the upcoming television projects, uh, magic gathering for Netflix clue for Fox an untitled G.I. Joe series for Amazon Prime Video, Risk and Dungeons and Dragons for a, a network not yet announced, and a Power Rangers series on Netflix. So I, I'm curious with this too. Is it possible that they're looking to, you know, potentially split this company up to where, you know, the Hasbro content you know, the, the part of the comp- a portion of the company would continue to work on that in-house for Hasbro, and then everything else that's not connected to Hasbro properties that they 
say, hey, somebody else take this. We don't want to manage this kind of thing. Is that like, or I guess we probably don't even know at this point. Yeah, it's it's too early to say if they're going to like spin off all their live action content or if they're going to, you know, farm out the Hasbro production stuff. I mean, I I guess that's really the question is what makes more sense. And we're all just going to, you know, spitball here. Um, it really depends on what kind of offers they get. Yeah. You know, this is like, you know, when you're going through, uh, you know, the trade deadline for, for major league baseball that we went through last <laughs> month, it's just like, Oh, so-and-so is certainly going to get traded. And it's like, well, yeah, if another team wants them, just because a team wants to get rid of it, just because a company wants to part ways with some of their assets doesn't mean another entity is going to want to buy it and buy it for the price that the seller is happy with. So it might be that they have to sell all of it to get a price that they'd be happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure they're going to look at all the numbers and say, hey, if we can if we can keep the stuff we want to in-house and keep that IP for, for those younger kids' brands and we can make our own, you know, branded content and not have to pay Paramount or someone else, cool, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And then we can ditch the other stuff like they did with Death Row Records and, and yeah. leave in a couple, you know, million bucks. Mm-hmm. That, that, that probably sounds like a win-win, but who, who knows? It's hard to say. Um, but but again, you, you have to have other parties come to the table with offers of what they pay for it. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were also responsible for Trailer Park Boys, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Canadian company, as we said. Uh-huh. I think their animation division will be the first area that they'll focus on keeping them. Yeah, because that, right. that is so very much in line with what Hasbro does. Yeah. That would make the most sense. So I think our beloved brand is, you know, will be saved. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I figure though too. I mean, obviously, Power Rangers is huge. I mean, that was a big acquisition that they had a few years ago as well. Right. And I mean, yeah. that's live action. So, um, or at least has been. So you would you would think that, but I don't know if this, uh, you know, if they were even going to be making any of that if that's you know completely separated out it doesn't it doesn't look like they had different like sub divisions for okay. excuse me for the different uh it looks like it was all just branded entertainment one okay and a way. lot of the a lot of these series are also very old too that are on this yeah. list Yeah, yeah it, I... it's a oh, it's a very changing media landscape in general. So, you know, it, it's going to be hard to tell what this is all going to shake out and look like here when everything's said and done. Yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to watch. We keep an eye on this and how it all develops over the next year or two. Um, at, it would while it would be nice if Hasbro would make more of their in-house IP movies like themselves instead of licensing it to, you know, the paramounts of the world. I don't know that that's in the cards with how bad snake eyes did. You know, although, is that, is that what we want as fans? Huh? Is that what we want as fans? What I want 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 is I want stuff that, you know, 
is true to the 30 to 50 year histories of these characters. You know, I want them to, you know, the Marvel approach. As long as you've got the spirit of the characters, you can change the story if you need to. But the characters should remain true to who they are. And that's so the important part of the equation. So let's talk about the Marvel tie-in with this. It sure. wasn't Hasbro that came up with Optimus Prime and Megatron and those character traits and that basic overall story. Right. It was Marvel. It was Marvel writers who, who made that up. And, mm-hmm. and same thing with G.I. Joe, with mm-hmm. Real American Hero. You know, it was Marvel writers. So, so the idea of farming this out to actual content-creating companies gave us the characters that we know and love versus, hey, this is a cool robot that was around in the 80s that turned into a truck. Isn't this neat? A neat, neat little bit of nostalgia that, that we have that, that isn't, isn't as well remembered by everybody and isn't a multi-million dollar you know, franchise now, that, that a billion dollar franchise mm-hmm. uh, that it is now. So, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I tend to be in more in the camp of saying I want the people making the content for the brands that I really like to be content creators first and foremost. I think when you look at the Netflix show, you can see Hasbro's hands so much in that, you know, the designs were, you know, ripped right from the freaking, uh, you know, scans of what the toys were. And so, you know, you compare that to Transformers the Animated Series, where Derek J. Wyatt was a phenomenal content creator and had his own brand, had his own stamp and, and, and feel on that and style on that. That's mm-hmm. an awesome show. Um, and, and Transformers It's, it's great when the guy who has his own style and can put his own stamp on it understands what makes the brand iconic, what makes the characters yes. iconic. Because then you get Transformers Animated from Derek J. Wyatt. And you, what you, the opposite end of that spectrum is anything that Zack Snyder's ever touched and how yeah. terrible all of those movies are because he right. does not understand what makes Batman cool or Superman. Well, Hasbro hasn't learned this lesson of not tampering either. Yeah. I mean, sure. the, I think that whole revolution storyline in the IDW comics, that's still pretty recent. And they're yeah. going to do that dumbass stuff again. <laughs> The new comic is going to be inundated with it, no matter who gets it. Well, but yeah, I think, I mean, I what think... That, that's another example of Hasbro wanting commercial first, content second. Sure. I mean, you know, look at the original Marvel comics. As great as they were, it was very clearly, okay, we need to introduce these new toys this week. <laughs> So the headmasters are all coming in at the same time. Here's the power masters and here's the pretender monsters and, you know, but the, the, the creators could work around those demands and still get some good stories out of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think IDW that a lot of the dips that they had uh, in, in storytelling was the, you know, some of those overarching like combiner wars and yeah. And the crossover stuff was all the crossover stuff was garbage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then like when they could just be left to tell their own story, they did a much better, better job with it. So right, yeah. but what if that would have been the spark that resurged the visionaries? <laughs> you or know what they needed point? to do, and like I, I know I'm beating a dead horse because I say this every time we bring it up, but what they really needed to do if they wanted to do a shared universe is launch each of those books individually with a 
slightly different flavor to get a slightly different audience. And then after six months to a year of them telling their own stories, then you can have the crossover. Once they're established, once people, the, once the books have an audience all their own, then you can have the big crossover in much the same way that the Marvel movies started with Iron Man by himself, Captain America alone, and Thor alone, and then eh, four years later, the Avengers happened. Did it share a universe? Yeah, sure. Do... Did you have to see them all to, to see the next one? Not really, until the Avengers. You, so... you can do uh, Iron Man on his own because people know who Iron Man is, you know, unless you're they like They didn't 40. back then, though. Eh, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But... Well, if Visionaries can't stand on its own, it doesn't deserve to be published. I mean, sure. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I mean, they need to boil these down, these things down to their basic elements. And, like, you know, Transformers is the science fiction book. And G.I. Joe is the covert military ops book. And Mask is the what's the word i had i had a whole thing for this and now i've forgotten my spiel um and you know you have the book that's like the x-file style book and you have the the other book that's like oh this is a sword and sorcery book but it's mixed with technology and you know you bring it all together again because they're all supposed to be more the spies yeah we're we're you know gi joe is the military ops and then mass could be the spy book Sure. But the point is they're all just, just slightly different enough variations on the genre that they attract different audiences naturally. And it's not all being sold to the same person. So that when you do the crossover, you get more of an audience on that book. And they try out the other books instead of, all right, well, now the same guy who's buying the other book is now buying six other books that he resents. You know what I mean? I don't but know. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, working in a comic shop, like, does that type of thing work? Like, are you going to establish enough of an audience for those different books where, you know, on on Wednesdays when people roll into the shop and they see whatever the, the random, you know, new book or whatever that's, um, you know, mask or, or whatever, visionaries or something or, you know, ROM. Are they going to pick that up and actually, you know, buy it? Or are they going to be like, eh, like, I have no idea what this is. Do you know when events are successful? Events are successful when they happen once every 18, 18 months or so. This whole thing where they have to do an event every six months just to spike sales. That's the thing that pisses people off the most. It's like, no, I just finished reading an event. I just finished buying all these crossover books. I'm not doing it again this soon. Right. You know? We'll, yeah, because the event is, is something that takes place over like two to three months. Yeah. And and so if they start another one six months after the first event started, yeah. you know, yeah, you, 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 get, you haven't had time for character development. Really fast. Yeah. You know, so Civil War, the first Marvel Civil War book was huge, did, did gangbusters. And so then they did an event every nine months after that for three or four years and people burnt out real goddamn fast on it and they got diminishing returns and you know dc still hasn't learned that lesson because everything is still a crossover <laughs> and the other thing i think that works well for crossovers is is when you have the story kind of warranted so if you look back at at you know some of the green lantern crossovers 
um, like Blackest Night. Like that was really driven by what was going on in the Green Lantern comics. And Green Lantern, I'm sorry, and DC editorial was smart enough to realize like this is this can be a global, you know, uh, universe, you know, event. Um, same with like Sinestro Corp Wars. I kind of like touched the started that off. Mm-hmm. And then with with uh, Marvel, you had War of the Realms, you know, stemming out of the Thor book. And that, that had been building up for years in the Thor book. And kind of similar thing with Planet Hulk. And Planet Hulk is, you know, the, the, you know, Planet Hulk turned into War World Hulk, uh, World War Hulk. And, and, you know, it was a hugely successful crossover for Marvel. But again, those seeds were planted by a writer. When this stuff is allowed to grow organically over time with yes. these seeds you're discussing, then it can succeed. But when it's, okay, we're dropping Revolution in and it's, you know, all these new books and everything happens all at once and go. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. That's why I love, like, some of the Spider-Man crossovers because Dan Slott was on that book for so long and he was building things and seeding things in that book. And then it just kind of came to the sense of like, well, Hey, Spider-Man's a giant character and what's going on in the Spider-Man book would be something that would affect everyone in New York city. So we'll make it a crossover kind of deal. Yeah. And then it, it, it makes sense. And, and it's from a story perspective is, is a good read. Um, so yeah, IDW, you had that a little bit with dark Cybertron. Um, but then you had like weird stuff forced into dark Cybertron too. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the crossovers in general for the IDW books hurt more than helped. I would, I would argue. Well, yeah. And I, I think that that's, you know, Hasbro ultimately too is trying to revive some of those, you know, smaller brands with transformer, you know, their, their tent poles. They're saying, oh, well, you know, what if we are able to use this to revive G.I. Joe or if you're able to revive, you know, whatever the other uh, other ones as well uh, on the back of Transformers. So if they would have stopped with G.I. Joe, it might have been successful. Right. No, I, I, I agree. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For, for whatever reason, they just have not been able to be successful with G.I. Joe on, on its own, even, you know, let alone some of these other ones too. So G.I. Joe is a tough book to tell these days. It's a tough, it's a tough book to write because you have, you have the eighties G.I. Joe sort of feel, which is basically war without consequences. Um, you know, and then you have, you know, the realistic side of war now, which says a ton of consequences and, uh, you know, it's just like, how do you, how do you, you know, combine those two sentiments into one book? I don't, I don't know how you do it to, to be quite frank. I, I don't know. I think you really essentially have to put two different books out there and one that's going to be the more realistic modern take and one that's going to be your, your eighties sci-fi action. You know, I wouldn't say silly terrorists. You got to make Cobra still somewhat kind of, scary but you know uh, for, yeah. for my money the original marvel book was where it was at man because like people died <laughs> yeah they did yeah. not come back in that book when you were dead in gi joe you were dead yeah. that was does, it man does gi joe have anything animated or targeting younger view to bring in younger viewers right now or have they, they recently they, the most recent thing was what 2012 they had a cartoon was renegade, the last renegade yeah. renegade 
I right? think that was it. I mean, you had the the movies, obviously the most recent Snake Eyes movie. Right. But again, that's a hard thing to market towards kids. It's like, you know, these guys shooting guns and army men is not something that parents want to buy their kids anymore. Um, so it it's it's really tricky. Um, you know, I'm not saying G.I. Joe as a brand can't find some sort of footing, but um I mean, you know, Iron Man and Captain America trip into that playing army sort of thing. So again, if you kind of do it more on that sci-fi, you know, I mean, if you can, if you can do Captain America versus Hydra, you can absolutely do a GI Joe story. It just needs to be that. Yeah. You know, and you know, isn't that how GI Joe got started in the first place? It was supposed to be Nick Fury versus Hydra. Right. And then they just, you know, instead of publishing that book, they need they they pitched it to Hasbro or whatever, or, you know, change that story to, I forget how it went, but, I know it began life as Nick Fury and Hydra. So just do that. And I, I don't understand why, you know, Hydra's not cartoony. In some some instances, they're downright scary, but they've still managed to show up in a bunch of the different cartoons at this point. You can do it. So do it. That's one thing, too. It always amazed me about the, movie, the Transformers movies, how they didn't have more of a tie-in to G.I. Joe there. You know, like you had special... Fo- you know, U.S. Special Forces, whatever the heck they call it, was it Sector Sector Seven, seven. like seven just... or whatever? It's like <laughs> why why didn't they just do that as as GI Joe or something or a division of well, GI Joes? I mean, because the Transformers movies are all terrible. <laughs> well, the, but the GI Joe movies, on the other hand, are amazing. So, but but now I would rather sit through sh- either one of the GI Joe movies than any of the Transformers movies except for Bumblebee. <laughs> The first Transformers movie, too? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I think what you have is is a hindsight kind of thing, Lucas, because what we've seen is what Marvel has done with the MCU. And when the Transformers movies were coming out, like that was abnormal. Yeah. That was not the way things were done, where you do an Iron Man movie that... And then, like Nick said, you slowly build to the Avengers thing. You know, you, you start off with the tent. It used to be, you know, kind of the opposite. It used to be what, what IDW tried to do. You start off with a tent pole, and then you make the spinoffs. Um, you know, that that's... So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that it's easy for us to say, like, man, shouldn't Hasbro have just, you know, had, uh, you know some of the Sector 7 guys be named Duke and Flint and Scarlet, um, guys and gals. And again, it's easy for us to say that, but I'm sure Hasbro's looking at this like, no, we have other plans. We don't want them to cross-pollinate like that because we want to, to do something else with G.I. Joe. Um, so, and they did, you know, success is quite arguable, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what, that's what how movies were being made back then. And now you've got this idea of this, shared universe and that's a way to grow a franchise the the thing i think it's funny though is is that everyone wants to copy marvel nowadays right and no one has been able to or like or no one has been able to successfully i should say um that uh you know all all these because they all put the cart before the horse man right right it's like you had that with the the universal stuff where they tried to launch this big you know, Universal Monsters shared universe, and because that first movie was no good, <laughs> it flopped. What, was it the Mummy or whatever? Is that what yeah. it was? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like they, they had big plans, but like like the first the first duty has to be is the movie any good? <laughs> well, I think another good example though of something. We'll always get a good movie though, right, Nick? Oh God. I, I would argue something else that's worked well though in that same vein has been the the CW Arrowverse. Yeah, and and that's pretty much going bye bye now too. Yeah, I was gonna say they're killing um, that. So. Okay, but that yeah. that ran a good a, long time a, longer than you know most television ever has a right to run. <laughs> so, yeah, kudos that for them for getting it done as long as they could. But God. exactly, and for the longest time up until I'd say Disney Plus came out, my sentiment was Marvel's got the movies right, DC is the television right, and and that's kind of how it was playing out there for a little bit. Yeah, um, you know. Hasbro could try and do something similar, whether they'll do it through this production company. It sounds like they were trying to, and now it just is is a weird landscape that I'm sure they're looking at the unknowns of the landscape of being is this is this a you know is this something we want to play in anymore? Yeah. Now, are any of these changes going to affect this brand new restart of the comics too? I mean, are we going to see? see them take it try to take advantage of a, of a fresh slate anywhere else my my thought on that is going to be at first no at least not any plans that a um a publisher would probably have right now i'm sure down the line it would make sense to have a tie-in like you know it, it would make a ton of sense for whoever the new publisher is to do a rise of the best movie tie-in whether it's a uh, a prequel origin story or tell some side story with some of the characters that didn't get a ton of screen time. Um, that would make sense. But I think we're, we're I, too I think, far. I think we're likely to see uh, an earth spark book. Yeah. In yes, addition yes. to whatever regular book they'll be doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, and entertainment one is, is doing the earth spark stuff, right? Probably. Yes. Yeah. So, in that respect, um, whatever whatever the new cartoon is at the time, I'm sure the publisher will do something tied in with the whatever the new cartoons are as we roll on down the line for the next however many years. If that yeah, answers we'll, the question at all. We'll probably get something similar to what we saw with Dreamwave, where Dreamwave had the Transformers book that was essentially a continuation of the 80s story. And then they had their book that tied in with uh, the Unicron trilogy that was on TV at the time. And then IDW did that too with, with animated for a little while. They had an animated book oh, and they had a robots yeah, in disguise yeah. book, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why they changed the name away from robots in disguise to yeah. just transformers. Yes. So. Pretty comic earth spark. <laughs> and I mentioned that. Well, I think they wanted to be a kid's book, but you know, yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. Well, it, obviously, we're still in a very big wait and see moment for both sides of that—the television, film, and the uh, the comic book side of it. Um, you know, but again, my 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 vote is, you know, if they don't, if they continue to do it in house, get good creators. If you're not gonna, if 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 you're not gonna get good creators, then let other people do it because if you're making crappy content. It's gonna kill your brand, like a GI Joe. Yeah. Well, so. I just hope too with this, you know, new Earthspark show that it's not gonna cause any kind of issues with that now or in the future, because you know, if 
I feel like, you know, part of the thing is, is that some, some of the shows that they've had have just had rights issues over the years. But then you have other ones like Prime that's been on like Netflix forever. And I feel like that that show part, you know, is a really good show. But then I think part of the, the lasting appeal of that over like a show like Animated is the fact that it's you can sit, I can sit there and watch it on streaming all the time and and I realize animated is like I could go buy the DVD series or whatever off of Amazon but I mean that takes some work and, and money and whatever where compared to just popping on Netflix okay but if there's one thing all this kerfuffle with HBO Max has proved it's that physical media is still king and will always be king because they can't take your DVDs away so buy those DVDs kids <laughs> I don't think the kids are buying DVDs. I'm not even sure that my kids Quiet, know what you. DVD is. <laughs> At this Most point, computers, those computers don't even have disc trays anymore. <laughs> my mom bought me a CD for my birthday, and I was like, thanks, Mom, but I have no way to play this. Like, Because the cars right? now don't have... Wow. We have that blew cars. my mind. I got I got that new car last year after the old one got flooded out, and like, all right, cool. I got my CDs, and I'm gonna get set up in the new car. And I went to go put the CD in, and I was like, oh, they don't have that anymore. Hmm. <laughs> nope. My brain nope. just keeps going to that bit in Wayne's World where he's just like, I don't own a gun, let alone multiple guns, necessitate owning a gun rack. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like my my boxes and boxes of, of Blu-rays and DVDs that my kids are just like, why do we have this? So I, I very <laughs> because they can't delete them. <laughs> I very recently started to try and get rid of those from my house, and it has been difficult. Like I'm just gonna have to probably drop a box off at Goodwill because if, if my goal is to get them out of my house, um, you know, I tried disc replay. I think they bought like four things from me from like my giant tote um so there's there's a bookstore that buys you know stuff and i might try well, that are you, are you doing cds or dvds uh cd i'm sorry dvds old video games the cds i, I still keep um mm -hmm. for the most part but the, the old video games and the the, the dvds i'm just like send no. me a dvd list maybe there's things i want <laughs> all right well i yeah. i thought you were gonna say vhs because like we still have a few of those yeah you know sitting in our house and i'm like why I, we do have a vhs player at least but it's like really why do we still have this yeah i i, I have no idea if it works we haven't actually played a vhs in in probably 10 years but the one medium i feel really bad about is one my dad was big into back in the day which was laser disc laser disc and laser disc like it was so much better quality than anything else that was out there yeah but the, the, the laser etching on the discs fades or rots away. And it's so like those things, like after 10, 15 years, it's it's just a hunk of shiny plastic. Um, or, or, or like, you know, if you buy it because you like the, the artwork on the uh, the packaging, you know, that's one reason to get it. But like you, you're not going to be able to watch the movie after about you someday know, i'll own transformers the movie on laserdisc what's that <laughs> someday i'll own transformers the movie on laserdisc i saw it in a store <laughs> once i saw it when i was like 10 or 12 years old and uh yeah it was all like japanese uh in terms of all the the right it was it, it looked really cool yeah um but uh yeah i mean i remember like i was dating you know my wife at the time and i was like 
going to put in a movie that might we owned on Laserdisc, and this was early 2000s, so the disc was maybe 10 years old, and like, nope, it, it did not work anymore. Pour one out for the lost media. (laughs) But it's just that that's one thing that I kind of chuckle at because so much of that older media has like come back in vogue, like vinyl has come back in and people have like the nostalgia for the cassette tape kind of thing again, which is Um, bizarre to me because the fidelity on a goddamn cassette is terrible. Like, right. Why? (laughs) But they make the cutest little robots. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, what, I know yeah. we all are clamoring to for Hasbro to make more tapes, and it's like our <laughs> kids are probably sitting there going, like, what in the world is this? They'd have yeah. no idea what it is. I do have to explain, like, what Blaster and Soundwave turn into and what what Laserbeak and, and Ravage and Rewind turn into. Like, why did they turn into boxes, Dad? <laughs> they're, they're memory sticks. That's yeah. it. That's the answer. They're memory sticks. Memory sticks. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know anything about. Them. Even that's even that's fucking. What's a flash drive? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Right. right. We're so. old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> old man yells at the cloud. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, but almost uh, by the time Rise of the Best is out, like all these Bay movies might be, you know, kind of vintage anyway. I mean, it's been in like a number of years. I mean, when, when was Bumblebee out? It's been a few years. Is that 18? Was that right? Getting some echo now. Oh, no, I'm I'm plugged in. It's not me. 2018. Jesus, it has been four years. Holy crap. Yeah. So by the time the Rise of the Best is is out, is it going to be five years? Jesus. Four and a half. Yeah. We hates it, precious. Uh, Oh God, those movies are ancient now. Those movies are 20 years old now. I think those movies are old enough to drink now. The first one, I think, is. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm I'm reading the books to my son, and and as we get through a book, we watch the movies, and just like, oh, some of the CGI is is dated. As cool (laughs) as the Balrog was, like, the, the orcs behind it, the orc army behind it was like, oh, you are not great looking. (laughs) <laughs> still better than the 90s cgi oh yeah oh who didn't love lawnmower man oh my goodness oh, god <laughs> i remember seeing lawnmower man 2 in the theater i have no idea why have no idea why my friends and i went and saw lawnmower man 2 at marcus cinema down in orland park but we did, and it was <laughs> very forgettable other than the fact that I remember I saw it. <laughs> yeah, they just had like, that big 15th anniversary screening for Transformers, though, right? Wasn't that the whole yeah. thing? Yeah. 
that was over the summer. Yeah. Paul so. says yellow jackets. We said he's that. Like, he's like 20 minutes behind. Like he's, he's still <laughs> oh, participating in the chat, but listening 20, 30 minutes behind. Right. <laughs> yeah, we already went over the announcement. That's that's the first thing they're cutting. <laughs> However, they're going to put all that money into a new Transformers The Last Night. Oh, God. <laughs> Transformers The Last Night 2. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the quickening. Mortal Kombat CGI was magical to my young eyes. Like, yeah, that, that movie did look much better when I was a kid than it does these days. Oh, my God. God, even the first Tim Burton Batman movie, I remember like being amazed seeing that in theater and then like, Ten years ago, I watched it again. I'm like, oh, no, no, that Batwing does not look that cool. Yeah. Well, how much of this stuff wasn't meant to be viewed at the the resolution we're watching things now? You know, ah, that's true. How much yeah. does that add to it? Yeah. So. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I I hope. I my my sentiment again is that we get actual content and creators to make the content and then my my other hope is that we get some sort of change because my sentiment at this point is that change would most likely be more for so for the positive than what we've had because what we've had has been not not fantastic yeah Paul yeah is no, I, I i agree someone Someone on the radio, on sports radio, equated the Chicago Bears as a football franchise to a pop-up store or a pop-up bar. That that every three or four years, they pop up and be good, but most of the time, they stink. And I feel like that's how Transformers media has been over the last decade and a half. That we'll get a pop-up of something good here, and then we go back to dribble. Wouch. I mean, it's a spotty track record. I will say, I really hope that we can get a decent Transformers video game again. And I I know most licensed video games are garbage. Um, But, uh, yeah, we we, we got a couple good ones here. We did, but I don't know if they're going after that market. If they're going after us as a market anymore. I think they're going after the... The cell phone games, which is what they're promoting a ton of. Yeah. Top war. Yeah. Well, if this, uh, what the Warner Brothers fighting with the multiversity or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, if that does well, maybe maybe Hasbro will do one of those where you know everybody could fight everybody. Or or we just see like Optimus Prime and Bumblebee thrown into Fortnite. They already did Snake Eyes, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They did. That'd yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I was messaging Lucas that Patrick Mahomes is now in Fortnite. There you go. It's pretty exciting day in Kansas City. Yeah, it's funny to me watching everybody who plays Fortnite lose their minds over Goku. <laughs> it's, like... it's funny to me looking at that Skyfire up crouching in uh, Lucas's uh, shelf up there. Because he doesn't fit. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering why he looks so short. Seemed <laughs> too big for the shelf. Because I didn't want to make my shelf bigger. 
I can't I can't stay super long. I I really have work to do. But um, did anyone bring up the fact that this potentially could open the door to to Disney? Well, uh, Phil, like, completely dismissed at the beginning. He's like, there's no way Disney's ever going to buy Hasbro. So there you go. Okay. That's what what he said. Why wouldn't they buy Hasbro? I don't know, right? Like, isn't that Uh, kind of what you said, Phil? Yeah, I mean, I I get it. You know, my, my argument, Paul, and I've made this argument with you before, is that being a media company and content creating company is one thing, but being an actual toy manufacturer is something else entirely. And and I think Hasbro and AT&T have seen that, that they can be good at do being one kind of company, but then being a different kind of company in terms of both becoming, trying to become media creating companies. That's just not the kind of business they're in. And, and they couldn't do both at the same time. So that's why I argue that Disney probably does not want to be a toy making company. I think if they wanted to, they could have been long, long ago. um, And they would just rather pay someone else to do it. The one good thing that would come out of Disney buying Hasbro is we could finally get Transformers issue three on the big screen. Just put that out there. Spider-Man and Megatron, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) I thought you were going to say we could finally get Circuit Breaker deaths. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hasbro has definitely shown that they can't do it. <laughs> Multiple. I feel like this is a constant thing Hasbro keeps doing, right? Like, we right. we got a new big media thing. It's all coming together. And then it's like, oh, never mind. Mm. We are yeah. done again. <laughs> I mean, it's bad timing. Brian Goldner was the champion behind this stuff. And, you know, he is no longer with us. When a CEO you know leaves like that <clears throat> a lot of things you know just get unfinished and this might be you know a very expensive one of those sure well yeah that that's why i'm kind of curious to see what what's going to end up happening with all of this is you know are they still going to try to partner with whatever company that they sell some of these you know, studios too, uh, or will it be something where it's just a clean break on a lot of this and, you know, kind of, kind of do over and mm. only, um, <clears throat> licensing out their content and nothing more. Well, they, they could license it to Disney. I'm just saying, it just seems like a weird time. Everything's lining up the comics, all media for transformers, at least. And probably most of Hasbro is kind of like all lining up to, end its current relationship at the same time so it does they'll, they'll likely give the comics to somebody and the movies to somebody and the tv shows to somebody else as they and that's not how these deals are done but it just seems like the the potential for someone to swoop in and make like a big play is potentially here yeah but i, I don't necessarily know that disney is that company though i think that they have enough properties that they're trying to manage at this point as it is i i would almost think it would be another somebody else is trying to compete with disney so you know i i don't know if paramount or someone else is trying to build up their properties more you know is is that something maybe that makes more sense for them and their streaming service compared to you know hasbro 
Well, I mean, Disney has stuff like Aliens now. You know, all the 20th Century Fox cool stuff. So, Go watch Prey. Just like, I feel like what's what's left from like a huge pop culture like property that's still out there, like at least from our age, you know, like Transformers, Masters of the Universe is like the last of the 80s stuff that's that's they could take, you know, then it's all new from there, like Pokemon, you know, yeah, I mean, Nintendo. I, I, yeah, I that, that upstart, them. that new upstart Pokemon is like 30 <laughs> years old. Well, post, yeah, 90s, yeah, four years at this point, right? <laughs> All this stuff is old. You know, there's only thing new we've talked about that I've heard since I've been on is a uh, Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pokemon's ninth ninth generation comes out in November. There you go. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just it's a shifting world. It'll shift again. You know, you, you have this sort of expansion and contraction that kind of always happens with corporations where you look at, you know, all these companies sort of tend to, you know, they think they understand what the landscape is. They think they know how they can, you know, be better and they start buying and acquiring assets and acquiring companies and and these big giant mega corporations form and then the landscape changes and then they all kind of like disperse into a big bang and you've got all these small companies again. And then for some reason or another couple, like a generation or so later, they'll start to, to merge again. And so we're at a point now that we're seeing some of the stuff like, you know, kind of, kind of dispersing a little bit with, with what's happening. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird setup at this point in time. We, we are at an odd point, though, where something kind of awkward and potentially good could happen. Like, people can try new things at this point. I mean, like, like maybe, you know, somebody could be like, hey, let's, uh, let's give one of, those an- one of those Japanese anime studios a shot at Transformers for a couple of years, see what happens. You know, they could try something weird, like out of left field, not like that. Huh. I mean, I'm totally be- on board for that. And that's, again, where I come back to the idea that I want content creators driving this more than I want toy executives driving this, at least in terms of, of what's coming out from a content perspective. You know, we, we had that kind of golden phase there, you know, about 10, 12 years ago. I'm sorry, eight to 10 years ago where you had Transformers Animated followed by Transformers Prime coming out. The movies were a big deal. I wasn't a huge fan of the movies, but, but people loved them. And, and we had good toys coming out and we had awesome comic books telling, you know, that kind of continuation of the G1 story. So, you know, and then, then Rescue Boss came out kind of shortly thereafter. And so we had this really good phase for a couple of years and then it's just kind of fallen apart where the movies kept getting worse. IDW started to, to shift and change their gears and, and Hasbro said, hey, instead of doing, you know, these these kind of cartoons that we have been doing, we're going to we're going to shift focus on that and kind of started coming out with more drivel. I think a, I think a fun direction would be if they tried to follow what Disney did with uh, Star Wars Visions. Yeah. And just gave a lot of different creators a shot all at once. Just go see what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. What was the name of the comic project 
the online comic project where like it was a different Transformers one page every week for a while? Oh, I, you guys remember? I didn't hear of it. Mosaic. Sounds right. That sounds familiar. At least I shouldn't say it right. That sounds familiar. Yeah, they were unofficial one-page strips that, like, you know, fans and semi-professionals were doing for a while. But I, it would be great to see, uh, essentially, an anthology series like Star Wars Visions in the same fashion, where it's just, you know, different team takes on a different Transformer story yeah. for every episode. That would be great. I'd love to see that. Although, you know, you, you, you got me thinking about anime studios doing Transformers now, and it's like, okay, bring on Studio Trigger. Let, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Give me. I want it. <laughs> what do they make? I'm not familiar with the. Uh, they're an offshoot from Gynax. Uh, Gynax did Gurren Lagan. <laughs> and Studio Trigger, you know them from Kill la Kill, uh, Darling in the Franks, the recent Gridman series, uh, Star Wars Visions. <laughs> Yeah, I just realized how long it's been since I've actually paid attention to anime, and I knew nothing what you said until Star Wars Visions at the end. They also did some episodes of Steven Universe and OKKO. OK. Yeah. So, you know, just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Transformers, I feel like, is this most fun when we get a lot of different variations of it. Um, you know, there's, there's room for it. Um, I don't know. Not everything has to be for everyone, but you know, just, just give us some sort of new stuff. I just feel like that's what we keep kind of coming back to in this is we've we've been there, done that for G one. You know, having ties to G one is fun and nice, but but please something new. And it seems like Earth Spark's going to go down that route, but um, I don't know. Every time I see a little tidbit of from Rise of the Best, it's just like. Yeah, well, I don't care. Question with this yeah. in general, with this, you know, them mm -mm. looking at potentially spinning this off, is what is it going to do for Transformers Media, and are we going to continue to have a delay in, you know, kind of getting new media or good media, um, you know, from that? Because it, it seems like we've, you know, barely been able, you know, getting anything out and. You know, of course, Earth Spark is coming out, and I guess most of those types of shows, I guess, you, you know, at least last a couple seasons, hopefully. So, Shelly, you remember Star Wars Tales? Is that a comic yeah. book? Yeah, anthology series. Not off the top of my head. I remember, I remember in the '90s reading books that were like sort of akin to that. I never read a ton of Star Wars comics. I read a few years when Marvel got the license again, but but for the most part, Star Wars comics have always been a bit of a blind spot for me. Well, for anybody following along here, Star Wars Tales was an anthology series that Dark Horse published where there was just different short stories every month, and they could take place anywhere in the Star Wars universe at the time. And the best issues were the ones where they would get non-traditional, like, not sci-fi artists to do something. Like, they would get the indie creators to all do something one month and Sergio Aragones and like, you know, uh, the guy who does drinky crow, uh, Tony millionaire did some stories, um, and, and things like that. And, and they were able to do all of this fun, offbeat, wacky stuff with the books 
and I guess where I'm going with this is I hope that whoever's publishing this stuff next keeps that in mind and maybe does a Transformers Tales style book to play in all of the different continuities over the years. Why not? You got yeah. all these got all these different properties to to play with and animated and robots in disguise or the old robots of disguise or Prime or tell stories in these other universes. Dreamwave kind of did that near the end, right? As things were winding down, right? They they didn't really get to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like they, I know they did an R.I.D. story and like a Beast Wars story. You know, but they were their own one-offs. like standalone miniseries, and perhaps that was too ambitious, weren't they? Well, I know the Robots in Disguise one was a single. Oh, the summer special was it? Something like yeah, that. It was yeah, something. something like that. Anyway, it was special. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, the the character Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a pretty Mayday Parker, pretty popular Marvel comic book character. She came from a Marvel comic book called What If? That every month was a different story, a different sort of what if sort of thing, different creative team that would be on there. And fun things spun out of that kind of deal. Um, so not every one of those is going to, you know, you're not going to get a winner for every single book or every single issue, but you get some cool things that come out of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and so you know when you look at what Transformers is as a brand in terms of these are things in outer space. I mean, there's a reason why you have like episodes like Dweller of the Depths because it's just like, hey, we're gonna be in outer space and let's like do some weird like vampire Cthulhu uh, you know robot thing uh, in the middle of Cybertron, and you can or you can have like a crazy episode where they're just like on another planet that's some crazy weird party planet that's essentially like a Daft Punk music video. Um, or, or an episode where it is just some sort of sci-fi horror aliens kind of vibe thing. So, yeah, you could you could do a lot of different things with Transformers. Fun fact, Dweller in the Depths was written by Paul Dini. Yep. <laughs> a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Didn't he just get something canceled? Wasn't something he was working on for HBO Max that just got canned? Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm this. No, you may be I'm right. Not... I may have just missed it. I'm, yeah. I'm... I was concerned with Infinity Train, and I was, you know, really rooting for that one. Yeah, I was very happy to see Craig of the Creek didn't get quashed. Yeah. Um, so I do want to mention that uh, Rick was wanting to come on next week to discuss some of the prior, uh, you know, media strategies and some of the history with that. Um, so, you know, as he's discussed uh, previously, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of you know, discuss the last phase of, of what Hasbro did with, with all of this. So, uh, so check that out next week. Cool. Um, maybe, maybe we can talk about those, uh, that script draft that leaked as well. <laughs> the first draft of the Transformers, the movie script. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty interesting as well. So yeah. what, who was that? Uh, was Jim Sorensen and was it Chris McFeely? I thought I, mm-hmm. um, kind of d- was discussing that. That's a, yeah, that a wild ride busy. reading that. Huh? Rick is busy trying to buy a new car, and unfortunately he gets very angry at the salesman when he asks them how it transforms or how much energon per gallon it gets, and uh, <laughs> they don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, that script thing, that was actually really cool. I, I read that today when I was walking my dog, and now all those all that imagery that was popping up on Twitter that I was like, what is this crap? Like Now it makes sense. Yeah. Although it's like they... 
they must have gotten a hold of like the very first Bible and then sort of like made it nicer. Like they made it like they drew over it to make it all look um um modern, you know, like they, they kind of made like storyboards in a way. Yeah. To kind of share, which was I think cool. They, they were able to fill in the blanks from some of the early character models. And then like I want to say some of those were probably created whole cloth based on what everything else looked like, but who knows? Yeah, I would love hard. to pick the mind of whoever put that all together, pick their brains. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be it'd be good to interview. I mean, it'd be cool to interview Chris McFeely. Anyways, he's a character, you know. He's a good, uh, be a good, good guest. But um, if you didn't check it out, uh, you sh- you should try to like look him up on on Twitter, Chris McFeely, and um, you can see how like cut and paste the final movie was it's incredible that it even turned out as good as it did i mean it's literally a miracle i can't believe it and um what's also really telling about it and this is something i've i've i think maybe peter and i've talked about this but like that script is dated before g anything ever aired cartoon wise so like yeah they they were working on that movie before before anything ever happened with transformers one, one of the craziest things was like Sp- springer was like this what do they call him like a arnold like a, schwarzenegger type or something yeah right? like yeah. a huge bruiser that like they had to go like recruit him from the desert or something and, and the story is just so insane it's like they they get somewhere they get blown up they get somewhere else they get blown up and they sort of like really stripped away a lot of the madness of the initial script into the final f- film. Yeah. But like the, the beats, the some beats of the are still beats there. Are there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although it's, really it's, cool. it's fascinating. And like, I, maybe, maybe I should save this for like, if we do an episode on it, but I do want to say it's fascinating to me that Wheeljack is such a big part of this script and he gets killed off. And I realized why that all happens because Chris Lotta was being written off the show because he was unreliable. He was having whatever substance abuse problems he was having at the time. And so that's, you know, Interesting. why they killed off Starscream and why they killed off Wheeljack. And that's, he only has a couple, what a, a cameo or two as the Starscream's ghost in the third season. He's not voicing anybody else, right? Don't think so. Well, he, uh, Cobra Commander, Old Snake. Yeah. He was in that one too. Maybe they were lightening his. Well, they they turned him into a snake in the in the movie, and I guess they weren't sure if they were bringing him back, right? Uh, yeah, in the GI Joe movie, yeah. Yeah, and then how much later is the Deke series after that? I, I don't remember the timeline. How what the gap is between the movie and and the Deke series? Several years. So that could have something to do with it. Deke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I just I'm glad he reminded me of that because that was that was a fun, a fun trip. Because I've read I've read the script that came after that and before the final, and that one's a trip too. But it's actually it's way closer to yeah. the film, and it actually like fills in some gaps. But there's lots of crazy stuff that was in the script that still made it. So it's 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 always cool to see the evolution, how things transform. Yeah. Brings it back. Gotta gotta read it. 
Blur gets killed. Yeah. Magnus <laughs> gets killed. There's all sorts of other dudes that, like, they made up in the script. Not that... Perceptor gets killed, right? Yeah. Like, all these other guys that were made up just like Blur and Springer and, and RC, but they they scrapped them because it was too bloated of a cast. No, know, they, so. they the, the one guy clearly evolves into Cup, and the other guy clearly evolves into Perceptor because they, they already had the science guy, it seems like, right? And then the yeah, other the guess, chemicals yeah. guy was the only one that there was no analog for, as far as I could tell. Yeah, like greaser or whatever. He's like, like a Kimiko or whatever, something like that. And then the, there's a tra- there's a fucking train around today with the like the robot snake train. Yeah, yeah. there's a train that turns into a giant snake. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm I like, mean, oh god, holy now crap, Raiden! Right, how did that now make it to the final thing? I mean, snake train that that sounds perfect. That's that's my biggest question about all of that is. Did any of these characters get to like the prototype stage or like the, the wood carving? And then they used to make like wood prototypes right. as proof of concept on this shit. Did any of them get that far? Because <laughs> I would love to see it. Oh. I, 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 I doubt it, actually. I think if they would have made a snake train, G.I. Joe would have used it too. <laughs> right? Snake <laughs> train. I wonder if now that this script has seen the light of day and these fan concepts for like what the characters look like have happened that we'll ever see like in ten years are we gonna see generations toys that reference these guys? MMC Snake Train. <laughs> or the, the, the one eyed tank guy or the um the what mental something what what the hell was his name? Mentlar. Mentlar. Menthol. <laughs> <laughs> Not Perceptor. Yeah, Mentlar. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen this. One of you can send out the link. I, I oh, you got it. it. You got it. It's it's a trip, yeah. man. It's it's such a trip. I'll send it to you. It's, it's like it. Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turk formers. Oh gosh. It, it, you have to. It's basically reading a Twitter thread, Phil. But there are a few like little video clips. You know, it was made as like a panel. You know, they, yeah. they presented it as a panel, and um, Did they, it was at TF Nation. TF Nation, yeah, I was gonna say that was what just last weekend, or the weekend before, something like that. Yeah, and if you're familiar with like the the moving storyboards and stuff, like that's something I think mm-hmm. McFeely and Hitchens, Paul Hitchens, you know, these are the UK like super fans, you know. Yeah. Um, they've done this before where they kind of like stitched together sort of a storyboard, but like with sound and music of the, of the, um, the, the un- scenes. Yeah. The scenes that never got animated, you know, and they just yeah. sort of, they- so they have, they have a history of doing this. So they know oh, what to do. Look, Ultra Magnus's shoulder rockets do fire scene. <laughs> well, then there's that dude like artist Stan, who's actually trying to animate one of those scenes. Oh my goodness! The one where de- the one where yeah, that one you talk about where they blow up Devastator and the Constructicons chase him. Yeah, like he's doing a great job, but it doesn't. It like definitely doesn't look like if you put it in the film, it would completely. Sorry, my microphone just exploded. It would like it's really hard to to match the aesthetic of like the '80s animation with modern technology. It, it'll stand out like a sore thumb, but mm-hmm. it's cool that he's doing it. Is there any, you know, random low budget uh, cartoon studios we could hire to, to to fill in the gaps, right? Have that same level of animation. 
Well, it's just the problem is it would all be digital, so you'd have to like it's mess it up on purpose to make it look right crappy, you know. Well, not crappy. Just give it give it some um, vintage. Yeah, to to make it yeah to make it look like the old times. Maybe maybe as E one Entertainment One, you know, can rebrand into vintage cartoon creation. There you go. If you haven't well, seen Yellow Jackets, you got to watch it. It's good. There might only <laughs> there sounds like go. there might only be two seasons, and they're filming the second one now. So if they got to end it, they can at least you know cut together. I mean, what, and, isn't and uh, isn't any of you guys, Nick, you probably have uh, 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 Cupman and, Mug- and Mughead. Am I saying that right? No, I, I botched um, it. Uh, Cuphead, the Cuphead show. Cuphead, and, yeah, the Cuphead show. That's got a, a nice vintage feel to it, although it's yeah. new animation. So, yeah. There's the, studios who can I, do I've it. seen the first season. It was excellent. I haven't had a chance to watch the second one yet. It just dropped yeah, last week. one just dropped, yeah. Yeah. So. Why does that guy sound like Starscream? <laughs> <laughs> No, why does he sound like Rat Trap? <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining me tonight uh, for the show. And, uh, you know, thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks to Randall, Ron. Thanks to Anna popped in later here, looks like. Um, uh, Daniel early on. Um, and then Space Boy G uh, as well. So. I uh, also want to mention Book Club this week is going to be Optimus Prime 11 and 12. That's on the tfdoc.net Discord on Sunday nights at 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. So, I think that's it. So, This right. is a weird episode. We are very serious. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sorry. We got off topic quite a bit, though, So, yeah. I mean, which is the norm, so... I feel like we had to because the topic itself was like. This has been Transformers for your listening pleasure, a presentation of TFTalk.net. We'd like to thank you for listening and ask that you please rate us on your favorite podcast outlet and share us with your friends. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TFYLP. Email us at podcast at TFYLP.com. This is Paul Lighting, and on behalf of TFYLP, We'd like to thank you again for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time for another (laughs) T-F-Y-L-P.